Welcome back, Messio family. It is Christmas Eve, the time to celebrate the night in which Mary and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem to give birth to our Savior, Jesus. Today, you'll hear Pastor Josh speak about love. If you have any questions about Missio, you would like to join a missional community, or you have prayer requests, please contact us at missio.life. All right, well, good evening. It feels weird to not say good morning. Glad to have you here. My name is Josh. I want to welcome you. This is our first Christmas Eve service for Missio ever and first one in this building. So we're pretty excited to have you here and glad that you can make it. We have some seats available in the front. If anybody in the back comes in and wants, we've got two full rows up here. This is like extra, this is VIP seating, right? You can come on up. So um, just want to say welcome, and if you're new with us, if you want to fill out a Connect card and want to get connected, you can do that. There's a little table back here, and you can just fill out your information, drop it in that box for us, and we'll contact you if you'd like. We're not going to spam you. Uh, And also, we don't take an offering, but if you'd like to give, you can go to our website, missio.life, and and do that there. Also, follow us on social media if you want to know what's going on with our church. Other than that, I don't really have a lot for announcements. It's Christmas. We're here to just enjoy the night. We're going to have uh, candles at the end of the service, so hopefully you got a candle when you came in. If not, um, anybody need a candle that didn't get one? You want to raise your hand and we'll run you one? No? She doesn't need one? Okay. I think we're good. I think we're good, Jeremy. So anyway, um, Natalie's going to come on up. She's, she's in charge of Missio Kids. And she's going to do a little story time with the kiddos. So, Natalie, I'll just let you take it away. Okay, kiddos, do you want to come up? You come right up to the front and sit down. Hi. Yep, all of you just sit down. I'm going to tell you guys a story. Yep, all you kiddos just come right down. But before I tell you the story, I was thinking about something. When I was you guys' age, I learned a song that talks about God, and it says, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. You know that song? And those are great words to describe God, right? And now I want your help with something. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a little bitty baby. Have you seen a little bitty baby? Yeah? What are some words that you would use to describe a baby? What is a baby like? Tiny? Mark? Small? Is a baby strong and mighty? No, they're small, maybe weak or helpless. Do you know what helpless means? It means that they can't do anything by themselves, right? They need help. This story says he's here. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? 
Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath. Can you hold your breath? Yeah, that's what it was like. Everything was just waiting. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged. That means she was going to get married to a man named Joseph. And Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, what do you think she thought? Terrified. It says she was frightened. You don't need to be scared, though, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said. And he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy, and you will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one you've been waiting for. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small. Just like what you guys said, like a baby. And he's coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said. And she felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. What do you think? No. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see. And she believed. That's what we call faith, right? I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full and every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you. What? No place for God's son? Where would they stay? Soon. Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old, tumble-down stable. What's a stable? Yes. Yes, like a barn. So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. Now, do you think that's a very good place to have a baby? No. 
And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and they used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. Do you see him in there on the straw? And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him, what? Jesus. Emmanuel. Did you guys hear that that word in the song we just sang, right? Emmanuel. And that means God has come to live with us because, of course, he had. Now, the Bible tells us another word that describes God. Do you know what it is? Love. It says that God loved us so much that he sent his only son. Yeah, and that's why we celebrate Christmas, right? The greatest gift of all. You guys sat so nice. You guys can go find your mommies and daddies again. Again, just want to say welcome, and I want to start off by asking a question. Have you ever wondered if God loves you? Have you ever truly asked yourself that question? Does God love me? Um, and maybe if he, maybe he loves me, but does he like me? You ever, you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe pondered that? Well, what's happened is God has created each and every one of us unique. And so we all belong to him and bear his image. And God has created each of us unique, just like all the snowflakes that we've been seeing so many of, like maybe God, a few less snowflakes lately, but he creates each of us unique and there will never be another you. And so I don't know if you feel that, if you understand that you're loved, but we're going to be talking about love tonight. I think for a lot of people, they struggle to believe that they are loved by God. They're like, well, yeah, God loves everybody else, but not necessarily me. And I want to tell you that, um, it's true that he does love you. And so sometimes we believe negative things that we tell ourselves. We say, well, I'm no good, or I've messed up too many times, and there's no way that God could love me. But he does. He loves us in spite of our failures, our hangups, and all the things that we've done wrong. He wants to help us with that, and he wants to meet us in those failures. And so we aren't perfect, right? None of us are, are perfect. Anybody claim to be perfect? I don't think so, right? We all have our flaws, but God meets us where we're at, and he helps us. And so there's actually a, a verse in the Bible. I don't know if you realize this, but um, it's one of my favorite verses. It comes from Zephaniah 3.17. It says, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. So God delights in you. And I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but isn't it kind of crazy to think that the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe, would actually sing over us? That he would delight in you enough to sing a song over you? I think for many of us, we, we just think, man, 
God just really doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. And so if we imagine what that song would be, it would probably be like the one we're about to play. So I Googled up, what's the saddest song? I, I was just curious. And this REM song came up. And so Austin's going to play it for us. One of the all-time saddest songs. Isn't that just so sad? Wah, wah. Like, is that the song that God is singing over us? No. Yeah, you kids know. God loves us and he's rejoicing over us. I think the song that he sings over us is a little more like this one. God is delighting over you. He's saying, I got you. I love you. I created you. I made you. You're my creation. And there's never going to be another one like you. So God not only loves us, but he likes us. And he delights in us with songs. And so maybe you're here tonight and you don't really feel that love. And you're like, well, I've heard that God is love. And, you know, that gets thrown around a lot. But my hope is that we're going to talk about love. And I'm going to show you from the Bible what God has to say about his love for us. But my hope is that you don't just know it up here, but that you feel it. You experience his love in a real tangible way tonight. So tonight we're talking about love. And if you've been around the church for any amount of time, and you know what Advent means. Um, that's the tradition that the Christian church goes through the month of December. So we talked about hope the first week. Then we talked about peace. Then we talked about joy. And tonight is love. And so God loves his people. He loved us so much that he sent Jesus to come down into this world for us. And the reality is that as humans, we need love. God designed us to need love, to experience love. And so we can throw around the word love, and we do a lot, right? Like maybe even today you've said love a few different times. Like, uh, I love pizza, or I love skiing, or... I love the Green Bay Packers. No, nobody would say that, right? No Green Bay Packers. We love the Vikings because they won today. Yeah, come on. But we say we love all kinds of things, right? I love my dog. I love my wife. I love my house. Like, and when we use the word, it's, it kind of becomes like a junk drawer word, doesn't it? Like love is, is just used for a lot of different, a lot of different things. And so it's, it's helpful for us to understand the way that God loves because there are many different nuances to love. So I want to share uh, kind of four um, words, Greek words that represent love so we can understand how God loves us. So the first one is storge. This is love that is familial love. It's like family, loyalty, brothers, sisters, parents. Right? This is the type of love that we care for people. We go through the trials of life, through the ups and the downs. The next one is phileo, 
And if you know Philadelphia, anybody know what the, the city of what? Brotherly love, right? So phileo is kind of like storge, but it's a little more of like, hey, we're friends, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you, friend, so much that I'm going to treat you like a brother, like brotherly love. The next one is eros, and that is where we get the English word erotic, and that is more of a romantic love between a husband and a wife. Think of the book Song of Solomon. You can go home and read that with your kids. So, um, and then the last one, this is the highest form of love, agape love. This is the way that God loves us. This type of love is unconditional. There's no strings attached. It's sacrificial. This type of love uh, is enduring. It's everlasting. And so the reason I bring this up is because this passage of Scripture that we're going to read together has the word love in it a lot. And as I studied this passage, I checked every single time it mentioned that word love, and it always translated to agape, because that's the way that God loves those other types of love have their, their place, but tonight I want you to just kind of have that frame of reference of how does God love. So I want to read from 1 John 4. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you can sure do that, or your, your Bible app, or we'll also have it on the screen. So this is 1 John 4, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There is no fear in love. Per but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so there's a lot going on there. And the word love is mentioned a lot, if you didn't realize that. So verse 9, it says so much. It says, God showed us his love by sending Jesus to us. That's how God showed us he loves us, by sending his son, Jesus. Then he goes on in verse 10 and he says, you actually didn't want him, you, you, you weren't really waiting for him, but I sent him to you anyway. That's my summary of that verse. Remember I said we're broken and sinful people, like we all have failures, we've all messed up, we've all done things that are wrong. The reality is that those sins have to be paid for. If we break the law, if we go out there and steal a car, we're going to jail, right? We're going to pay a fine. We're going to do some things. And so our sins don't just evaporate. They don't just go away. They have to be dealt with, and, and God knows this. And so he sent Jesus. So John is basically telling us that love is a rescue. Jesus came on a rescue mission for us. That's why he came to earth, to deal with our sin, to take care of the stuff that we can't deal with. And sin is anything that we think, say, or do that goes against the nature of God, right? We have sin. Has to be dealt with. Has, 
has to be taken care of. And so Jesus came to take care of that problem for us. It seems a little counterintuitive. I mean, God knows what he's doing, but he's like, oh, we've got all these sinful people. I'm going to send a baby into a barn, <laughs> right? doesn't really make sense to us, but we know that Jesus was born in those humble circumstances and that he grew to be a man and he grew to teach people. He brought the kingdom of God and he, and he, t- he taught people how to have a relationship with the Father, didn't he? That's why Jesus came. He came on a rescue mission for us. And when Jesus grew, he had lots of teachings. And this is one of the things that he said in Luke 5, verse 31. He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus came to save people. He said, I came to call lost people. I came to save lost people. But not everybody saw their need for Jesus. They're like, no, no, Jesus, we're good. We got this thing going on. We're, we're okay. We don't really need you. And so Jesus not only came to rescue, but he had to convince people that, of their need for him. So during the last snowstorm, like not the first blizzard, but the second, and, and I just realized how ridiculous that is that I have to clarify which blizzard it was. This is December, guys. Like we've had two already or, or three. And so the second blizzard that we had, we were sitting at home and my kids and I were getting kind of stir crazy and we decided, hey, let's go out for a drive. Let's go explore. And so we start driving around town. I mean, it's snowing like crazy and blowing. We shouldn't have been out there, but um, we have an SUV. It's, a, it's an expedition and it's lifted up a little bit with bigger tires. And so it gets around really good with the four wheel drive. And so we decided we're just going to go buzz around town and we're cruising up by the college, up by Bismarck, uh, Bismarck State. And just coming off a divide, going up, I think it's Schaefer Street, that one that goes up by Hampton, the Hampton Inn, there's a, there's a dude in his pickup truck, like, completely buried. I didn't even think there was a road there. It was, like, three feet high of snow. And he's, like, up to his wheel wells, and he's out there shoveling. He's got this little shovel. And I looked at the kids. I said, I think we need to help this guy. They're like, yeah. So I, I walk up on him. I say, hey, buddy, can I give you a little tug? I said, I got a strap. I, you know, you can hook on to the back of your your toe hitch here and just give you a little pull. No, 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 I got it. I'm good. I got the shovel. And he's shoveling. I'm thinking, bro, you're going to be there for like two weeks shoveling that thing out. Wish I had a picture to show you how bad he was stuck. And so I I kept on. I'm like, hey, man, let let me just pull a little bit and just see. Maybe it'll move a little bit. Finally, he he, uh, agreed and I hooked on and I gave him a tug and we pulled him right out. And he was very grateful and he drove away and we drove away. But it made me think a little bit like, Sometimes maybe we're like that guy with the Toyota and Jesus comes up and he says, hey, I've come to help you. I've come to save you. They're like, no, we're okay, man. I got my shovel. Problem is we don't even have a shovel. We don't even have a spoon. There's nothing we can do. My illustration kind of breaks down there because there is nothing that we can do in our sinful condition. There's there's no way that we can help ourselves. We need someone to come in and, and Jesus says, I'm your rescue. I came to earth to take care of your sins. All you got to do is let me help you. Believe in me. Jesus came to rescue lost people. And some, some people do recognize their need for him, and they say, well, what do I need to do to have a relationship with God? Maybe, maybe that's you tonight, and you're like, I, I want a relationship with God, but I don't really know what to do. Well, our, our text that we read tells us. Let's look back at verse 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. That's important, right? Jesus has come to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. It was very simple. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, I believe that you came down to rescue humanity, to to die on the cross for our sins, and so I'm going to acknowledge who you are, and I'm going to put my faith and my trust in you. It's it's as simple as that. There's other verses in the Bible that talk talk about it's by grace, right? We receive his grace through faith. We believe. We put our trust in him, and we receive his grace. There's nothing we can do to get right with God, but Jesus did everything. And he came to give us a relationship with the God of the universe. And he says, all you have to do is just believe in me, trust in me. And so that's my question, I guess, for you is you maybe know about Jesus. You maybe heard, you know, yeah, it's Jesus's birthday. We're celebrating Christmas. But do you know why he came? He came to save us, to save people like you and like me. And without him, we're literally bound for hell. We have to pay for our sins. Somebody's got to pay. Jesus said, I already paid for it. If you believe in me and you put your faith and trust in me, you can have eternal life. You can be forgiven. You can be made new. That's the good news of Christmas. And love drives out fear. Love is a powerful thing, isn't it? So is fear. Fear is also a very, very powerful thing. It's an emotion that that God gave us, and, and it's actually... Part of being human. Fear is not a bad thing in and of itself. Fear serves a purpose. So if I go cruising out onto 12th Street and a bus comes along and it's going to hit me, fear kicks in, adrenaline, bam, get out of the way. Otherwise, I'm flat. I'm dead. Danger, Will Robinson. Move, right? So you got to know that fear is, is part of how God has wired us. It's an emotion that he gives to us. It's a gift. But fear isn't always good for us because We can live in fear of things that aren't really helpful. And Jesus talked about this a lot with his disciples and his teaching. He said, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid. And so fear can become something like worry, stress, and we start to get all wound up about things that we can't control and we can't change. That kind of fear is not good. That's not healthy, right? So the the kind of fear that says, get out of the way of the bus, good fear. The kind of fear that says, stress and be all wound up inside, that's not good for us. It's not healthy. And our text says, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It says that in verse 18. And so if we're afraid of being punished for our sins... We have to pay for them, right? So there is a fear of punishment, but if Jesus has forgiven us, if we know him through faith, we don't have to be afraid of being punished, do we? Because Jesus is already taking care of all that. The text says that love casts out fear. And so we can rest in that. We can trust in what Jesus has done for us. So many Christians say they know Jesus and they they know that he's forgiven them, but they still live in fear that one day God's just gonna whack them God's watching from heaven, and when I mess up, he's going to smack me. That's conditional love, isn't it? And, and maybe some of us know love that way because we've experienced that from our parents or from grandparents or people in this world, that as long as you stay in line, I'll love you. As long as you perform or you do like I want you to, I'll love you. 
God's love isn't like that. Agape love is unconditional. There's no strings attached. It isn't about how good we are. It isn't about our performance. Let me give you an example. Imagine a young boy. He's out in the front yard, hot summer day, and he's bored. And he's just kind of chucking rocks at the house. Dink, dink. You know, he's just throwing. And that rock slips, and all of a sudden, goes through the picture window, shatters the window. He takes off for the backyard. He trucks it back there in, in fetal position behind the bushes, and he's crying, and he's upset because he knows what's going to happen. His dad is going to come find him. He's going to yell at him. You might even smack him around a little bit. He's going to make him pay for the window out of his lawn mowing money. And, and, and he's just devastated. He, he just, he's hiding. Now imagine a second boy, same scenario, front yard, throwing rocks at the house, hits the window, crash, million pieces. And he's disappointed in himself. Man, I shouldn't have broke the window. I shouldn't have been throwing rocks at the house, right? But he knows that his response is to, I, I got to go find dad. I got to tell dad what I did. So he runs to his father. Instead of going and hiding in the bushes, he says, dad, I messed up. I threw a rock and I broke the window and I'm sorry. His dad says, yeah, that is a bummer. But you know what? I'm going to fix the window. I'll, I'll take care of it. And son, I'm so glad that you came to me. I'm so glad that you didn't run and hide or try to blame this on your brother. You can probably figure out which one of those dads God is most like. Which one do you think it is? The second one, right? That's who God is, but many of us have experienced love like the first one. When you mess up, you get yelled at. You get punished. You get hit. But God's love, his agape love, is unconditional. God is kind. God is loving. And so many of us don't have a, a reference of that because we haven't experienced it in this life. But that's who God is. Psalm 145, 8 says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. So when we begin to grasp God's love, maybe we begin to internalize that a little bit. Then we realize that God doesn't want us to just be loved by him, but he also wants us to love other people. He wants us to become a conduit that his love flows through. So we experience his love, but then we also get to share that with other people. God's desire is for us to love others. Verse 11 and 12 said, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete. So we learn love from God. We learn true love from God, and then we get to share that with all of the people in our lives. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're thinking of somebody that's really hard to love. No, no nudging, okay? None of this, you know? But maybe there's someone in your life that is really hard to love, and you're like, they don't deserve my love. They've hurt me. They've done things to me. They've said things to me that I can't forgive. You know who that hurts? It hurts you. If you internalize that and you can't let it go, it hurts you. It doesn't hurt the other person. But maybe there are people in your life that, that have done things and said things and you're just like, I'm justified. I've put up the wall. They don't get to come in. I don't love them anymore. Doesn't that sound a little bit like us and God? That we've hurt him? We've done things that he'd be totally justified if he said, I never love you. I, I can't stand you. But he doesn't do that. God is gracious and kind to us. And so maybe for some of us tonight, there's just something you need to let go of. 
or forgive someone. And maybe they haven't asked for your forgiveness, and maybe they don't deserve your forgiveness, but for your sake and your own heart and your own health and well-being, you need to just say, I'm letting that go. I'm showing them love, the kind of love that God has shown me, even when we don't deserve it. There's a a passage of scripture that my wife and I had at our wedding, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm just curious, did anybody else have this at their wedding? This is like the most popular scripture at all weddings of all time. And, And this is what it says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Such a, such a cool passage because husbands and wives are often saying, this is the way I want to love my spouse. I want to love like that. And we hold this up as an ideal. So in our scripture from from 1 John, it said that God is love. I don't know if you heard that, but God is love, literally. So you could take that that passage, let's put it back up on the screen, and you could say, um, just go back, Austin, to the 1 Corinthians 1. God is patient. God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. You could plug his name in for all of that. And then if we experience his love and we know it, we get to love other people. Could you put your name in there for love? Josh is patient. Josh is kind. Josh does not envy. It just feels weird reading it that way. And, and I don't live up to that all the time. And I'm sure you don't either. But, but here's the thing. When we understand God's agape love for us, his unconditional, no strings attached love, we get to show that love to other people. We get to, to love like that. Right? Pretty cool. Loving others is what we get to do, even if they don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. God loves us. There was a time in my life when I really, really, really doubted God's love. And some of you have heard my story before, but um, I grew up in a, in a Christian home. We went to church Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night, probably a couple other times during the week. We were always there. It was a Christian home, and, and I, I, knew, I knew who Jesus was at a young age. But one morning, I was nine years old, and I woke up, and there was a a note taped to the bathroom mirror, and it said, uh, took your dad to the hospital, go to school. Okay. So my brothers and I got up, and we went to school, and we came home that night, and my my mom let us know that, she said, the night before, your dad had um, an aneurysm. It was a blood vessel that broke in in his brain, and it was bleeding on his brain, and so he went into a coma. And so we waited, and we prayed for him, and the church we were going to at the time, they said, if you just pray hard enough, and if you just have enough faith, God will heal him. He'll be okay. I was like, all right, cool. I'm nine years old. I believe that. So we prayed, and we prayed, and two weeks went by. My dad never woke up. He was never healed. He died. And so I was devastated. I'm like, God is love? Are you kidding me right now? Like, God, if you're love, and this is your version of love, I don't want anything to do with it. So my mom was 33 years old, had three boys. She was a stay-at-home mom. She didn't have a career. She couldn't provide for us. So we were living in South Carolina. We packed all the way up, went up and moved in with my grandpa. And it, it just took years for me to understand that God does love. My heart was pretty hard. I was pretty angry for about 10 years of my life. I basically said, God, forget it. 
I'll be in charge because I can do a better job of managing my life than you can. Because I've seen what you do. And when you're in charge, you take my dad away. So I'm just going to be in charge. And what God did is he pursued me over and over. And I could, I could share for an hour of the, of the circumstances, the things that he, he did to reveal himself in my life and to show me that he loved me and just kind of chipped away at, at that hard wall that I had put up towards him. And so I can say tonight that I've experienced God's love. I know it. And that's why we're here. I've dedicated my life to leading a church and letting other people know that God loves them. Because this is important stuff. This is eternal stuff. And so I not only know the verse, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's true. God's word says he loves but I know it in my heart. I've experienced it. And that's my question for you this Christmas. Maybe you know, maybe you've heard the verses, you know he delights in you, he sings over you, he sings James Brown over you. But have you made it personal? Jesus came to rescue. He came on a rescue mission for you and for me. Do you know him that way? Do you know his forgiveness? Do you know his love? And so that's my, my challenge tonight is to say, don't leave here. If you don't know Jesus personally and you're kind of worried about like your sin and what's going to happen and like you don't, have to, you don't have to worry about that. We can talk about it. The gospel's clear. The invitation's clear. God said, I loved you guys so much, I sent Jesus down to be born in a barn with a bunch of farm animals. I don't understand why, but that's what he did and that's why we celebrate Christmas. The greatest gift ever given to us is Jesus. And like any gift, if I were to put a gift in front of you, what do you have to do? You have to open it, right? You have to receive it. You have to make it yours. I could put it right there and leave it on the table and you could just walk away. We all have that choice. So my hope for you is that you know God's love and you feel it and you experience it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus. Thank you that he is the light of the world and that we celebrate at Christmas time the rescue mission that Jesus came, ultimately to die on the cross for our sins, to give us eternal life. And Lord, we, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your love, but we receive it. And so I pray for every person here and just, Lord, let us grasp your love. Let us not live in fear of punishment. Let us live in grace. Let us understand your mercy to us. And may we be free to share that with others. To be those that carry your light and carry your love to the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we're going to close with candlelight. And I'm going to have a couple of people in the back bringing up some flames. And I'm just, just a little how-to, okay? You've probably all done this before. But take the unlit candle and go to the lit. Don't dump the lit or you're going to get a wax waterfall, okay? And also, my wife lit her hair on fire one time. Don't do that. Sorry to embarrass you, Case. So we're going to light the candles and we're going to sing together and then we'll close, all right? Jesus is the light of the world. He came for us. We get to be that light. We get to take the light with us as we go. Imagine what the city of Bismarck would be like if we love like God loves. 
unconditionally, no strings attached. Imagine how different our neighborhoods would be if we loved like God loves all year round and not just at Christmas time. It changes everything. Thanks for being with us tonight. I hope that you have a Merry Christmas. And if there's anything that you'd like to talk about or pray about before you leave tonight, I'll be around. And otherwise, man, have a great Christmas. Enjoy this warm weather, this huge warm-up that we're having. And remember why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus is the reason. Blessings. Good night. Josh left us with a few takeaways from this service. God designed humans to experience love. Love is a rescue. Jesus came to rescue lost people. Love, it drives out fear. God's desire is for us to love others. Thanks for listening again, Missio family, and we'll see you next week.